Welcome back to DGI Multiverse. This is DGI Mark for the Dad's Got Issues podcast. This is issue number 44. Uh, back inside the ropes for this week's uh, Monday edition of the Dad's Got Issues podcast. Charlie is remote. And we're going to dive into this past week's results um, from the world of professional wrestling. Uh, we'll get started uh, with really the only news that's kind of broke that isn't promotional related, I would say, um, out of the professional wrestling world. And that is that WWE has released two, I would say, lesser known names, but the reasoning behind these releases has become quite controversial with the social climate that we're currently in with the pandemic. Um, Lars Sullivan was released from his contract. Um, obviously, Lars caught a ton of heat, um, what, like last year? for some comments and things that he made on social media. Um, and then obviously it's one of those things where like when you're relatively unknown, even though you're on a main stage like WWE, it's best that you don't rock the boat, right? You don't want to piss people off. If you have some unsultry things in your past that you would prefer to really not come to light. Um, well, Mr. Sullivan did not do that. Um, he obviously rocked the boat with some politically and I believe racially charged statements, um, at some point. And then obviously the internet does what the internet does and did their best to dig up anything and everything they could on Lars Sullivan, um, to the point at which his previous career venture of in the adult industry was, um, this <laughs> disclosed to the general public. Um, and obviously he was quickly taken off of television. His push was pretty much squashed from what we've all read as fans of the company and fans of following like what's going on backstage, why guys are being pushed, why guys aren't being pushed. Um, it did appear as if Vince was really behind Lars. Like he was really, you know, into this idea of him being the, you know, one of the next guys, so to speak. Um, but obviously with all the heat and all the attention that he was bringing to himself, the WWE did what they always do, and they pulled the rug from that idea. Um, I wasn't a particularly big Lars Sullivan guy. Didn't really like his character. He reminded me of a very poor iteration of Ryback. Um, and, it, it, and I hate to say this because it, it gives Ryback praise for something I don't think he's even very good at. But Lars Sullivan made Ryback look like a good promo guy, in my opinion. Um, but obviously he was released this past week. Um, and a lot of people were saying he was fired. Um, he was not fired apparently, at least from the, the, the number of articles I've read. And he's actually apparently done an interview since him and WWE came to an amicable split. They both said, okay, clearly you're not using me. Clearly. I really don't want to be used. Um, because of his, apparently he suffers from some sort of like social or some, some sort of anxiety disorder that has plagued his career as well as, you know, all this other stuff. Um, and he made the decision, you know, being in the public spotlight, isn't the best for his health, which I can respect if, you know, but I hate to say it, like if that was the case, you probably wouldn't have made it to the point that you made it at, you know what I mean? Like. That'd be like me saying, like, I don't, you know, I don't like the public spotlight, but then, like, I try to become the chief of police at my police department. Like, nah, you kind of expect the spotlight when you go for these, those types of public positions. Yeah, um, I'm here for the pikes. Let me become an airline pilot. Yeah. 
So, yeah, so I think, you know, I don't think it's surprising that WWE decided to part ways. I don't think we will see, I mean, I, I don't foresee we will see him and any other major promotions anytime soon. Um, but who knows, crazier shit has happened. Um, and then the second release, uh, Steve Cutler, which honestly really surprised me. Um, and don't, and, and it, I'm not surprised at eventually what the reasoning behind it was, but I, it, it, it shocks me because we, we kind of know politically which way the WWE flag flies. You know what I mean? Like the, well, from the, you of those in charge, or yes, those, those in charge, those yeah. in charge. So we've seen in the past where, you know, the, the perfect example, the referee, um, when NXT, the, the, the head ref, the head official, yeah, he's a very outspokenly conservative, you know, politically charged person outside of his profession. His Facebook profile has been tagged a billion times on Twitter and like people like, Oh, he's a, he's a crazy, you know, right winger too. And there's other wrestlers out there who are, 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 are left-leaning wrestlers or, or, or officials or whatever, and they get the same treatment. So I'm not, you know, we're not going to divide the political spectrum here, but Steve Cutler, apparently um, around New Year's Eve was, um, sorry, he was out at a party on New Year's Eve without a mask and whatever. And it was apparently pictures and Instagram and all the other, you know, social media nonsense that comes with, with celebrity and, you know, holidays. And apparently he did contract COVID. Well, Steve Cutler removed himself from attending WWE programming because he was actually one of, um, the Kingsman for Baron Corbin. I mean, um, it's not Buddy Murphy. What's the other one? Um, Jackson Riker. No, Jackson Riker's with Elias now. No, but that's what I'm trying to think. Like, yeah. So Jackson Riker, Steve Cut- Jackson Riker, Steve Cutler, and then um, Buddy Murphy's Murphy. Buddy Buddy Murphy's old tag team partner. That's how, and I feel bad for that guy because he should probably have a more prominent spot but every time it seems like he gets involved with something he ends up coming out on the short end of the stick but regardless so steve cutler did not show he obviously wesley blake he didn't show up in like he didn't like no show he didn't like not call anybody like he called and told him like hey i tested positive i'm not going to come to the facilities i'm not going to come around the guys like he he self-isolated for the 14 days that they recommended he went and got tested after his 14 days. He came back negative and he came back to the company and they, they didn't put him on air. Vince apparently was upset that he was out at a New Year's Eve party without a mask and not social distancing and not doing the things that I guess is expected of these, these you know, superstars. And that's fine. But what if, like, I hate to say this, not everybody believes everything that's going on. You know what I mean? Or not everybody believes that they need to take the extents that certain people are taking or certain portions of the population are taking, right? You then set up shop in the one state through the, through the last calendar year, right? That, that has had no rules. (laughs) Like it wasn't like WWE set up in Connecticut where their headquarters originally was. They set up in Florida where it's the wild, wild East, down there you're allowed to do whatever you want 
whenever you want, no matter what. So my thought process behind this is, is you're firing a guy because you basically you're saying that he violated your company policies, which he very may well have. Maybe there's something that we don't know that WWE has implemented. that says like, Hey, don't go out and do these things. Don't go out and party. Don't go out and do this. If you do, and you get caught, there's it's grounds for your dismissal. And if that's the case, accept the responsibility for your actions. You threw your career, your career away for a new year's Eve party. Right. Well, I mean, the only thing that I can look at this is like, he, you know, he used Steve Cutler. He's yeah. not, you know, um, he's not Ricochet. He's, he's not Ricochet. Because we're going to get into that. He's not Big E. He's not anybody who actually mattered. And, I, and I'm not saying this to be mean, but as far as the people on the roster that matter, they get away with it. Yes. So, so, so the thing that I was going to say is, you know, or what I was leading into, and you, you kind of, you know, gave me a perfect door to walk through, is it's true. Not everybody is treated the same way. Because as at the moment, we, we now know that Casey Catanzaro and Ricochet, who are, you know, publicly, it's, it's very well known that they are dating, they were in attendance of the same party. And they were pictured with no masks, no, uh, no social distancing, no, nothing like that. And I, this is my thing. I do not pass judgment on how people are handling this pandemic. Whatever your state allows you to do, like in Maryland, like we know if we're out in public, you got to wear a mask, you got to do these things. Like we, we, we couldn't be in bars for certain times. Like we had to be outside. Like if you're going to go to a restaurant and the restaurant's going to say, okay, well, we can only sit 20 people at a time. And I'm one of those 20 people. I'm going to go into the restaurant and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to eat my dinner and I'm going to enjoy myself, right? But if I came in and they were like, hey, you're number 22, we can't sit you. Okay, thank you. And I'm going to go somewhere else, right? But I'm not passing that. I'm not going to pass judgment on somebody because they want to continue to live their life in another state that's allowing completely different things than what Maryland or what Pennsylvania, where you're at, is allowing, right? So my thought process is, I'm not judging Steve Cutler. I'm not judging um, Casey Catanzaro or Ricochet. I am judging the WWE on how they're handling this. Now, I don't know if Steve Cutler was a part of the Jackson Riker mess last year. I don't know if he got caught up in the social media, like he was posting things. Because Jackson Riker, and they were the Forgotten Sons, and they were a pretty hot tag team or faction in NXT, right? Before they got pulled up. And it was right as they got pulled up, Jackson Riker goes off the fucking deep end and starts making all these crazy political comments online. And then it hurt Steve Cutler, Wesley Blake, and the entire faction because they pulled him off the television, right? That was right around the time that they started the retribution angle. And my thing is... You know, you pulled all these these guys off TV and you kept them off, and I guess until, you know, the time, you know, had cooled off on them. And it clearly has, because Jackson Riker's back on TV every week now with Elias. And Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler are on TV every week with, um, with Baron Corbin. They're just not the Forgotten Sons anymore, because I can see where Jackson Riker's comments partnered with that gimmick could incite some opinions. <laughs> um, but... 
at the end of the day, you know, we like I'm seeing fans like they're bombarding Casey Catanzaro's like Instagram and Facebook and you know Twitter. Same thing with Ricochet's, um, and and I don't even I didn't even looked up Steve Cutler stuff because just the nasty things that are being said to Ricochet and Casey Catanzaro on social media are beyond reproach. Like things that just don't need to be said. And like, I get it. Everybody wants to, like a lot of people are at home with a lot of time on their hands. I mean, we have so much time on our hands. We started a podcast, but we're not on this podcast openly judging folks on personal decisions and acting like we're the, you know, we're the COVID-19 police, but there are, it's, Everybody has an opinion. Yeah. Everyone has an opinion. Doesn't mean it's right. But the problem is that because of the hive mind mentality that exists on the internet is that if you get enough people doing it, people will latch onto it. Plus the, 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 uh, and I'm not, I'm going to butcher the word. I, and, uh, animosity. Uh, no, not animosity. Uh, anonymity. But anonymous. And, and uh, yeah. Um, to, to these people, right? Because, you know, freaking um, Johnny Neckbeard, who's calling out Ricochet and saying, you know, all these nasty things, would not have the balls to say it to his face. Yeah. He wouldn't even say it within, you know, like standing in a crowd where, you know, Ricochet's 25 yards away. He still wouldn't scream out the stuff that he's saying. Yeah. Or saying the stuff that he's saying to to, to Casey Kanzer. So, you know, like, I, I get it. Like, they're in the public eye, and they're going to be scrutinized, and, you know, people are going to say stupid things. Um, you know, it's it's happened to us, you know, once. And so it's like, okay, you have a keyboard. You have the ability to type these words. Um, do, doesn't mean that they actually matter. Um, but, um, hey, it's always nice to hear good things. But when people start spewing nonsense, oh, it's I mean, like, okay. It's, it's funny because I, I, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, we are, we are not celebrities. We have probably 14, 15 people that listen to this pretty, pretty regularly, but we do have, like, I, you know, I do have a, you know, obviously I find a lot of inspiration from this show from TikTok and other social media outlets. And obviously I do have a pretty active TikTok account myself. And I have over 25,000 followers on there. And I've posted videos that have hundreds of thousands of views. And with that type of, just that type of reach, hundred, you know, you know, I was thinking I was sitting at like 200,000 views on a video and over 2000 comments. And I'm in, I'm, 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 I mean, if you haven't been listening to us long, I'm a police officer, but I'm a police officer that believes in transparency. I believe in building and bridging a gap between law enforcement and the community. And I use my social media, at least my TikTok, for that reason. And I answer questions and I, you know, ask questions to people who are on TikTok, things like that, that, you know, kind of start the conversations and you should see, I mean, on the one video, you should just read the, if, if you want to lose faith in humanity and how they th- see things or think about things, just read the comment section. And it's, it's not because of necessarily people disagree with maybe my point in my video was right. It's just how they, re- they approach the situation, right? It's, it's childish. It's, it's repulsive language. It's, you know, being ignorant to the, to, to not just, the situation that they're talking about, but the facts of the situation, right? Like I could have an opinion on something, but have no expertise in it. Right. And I can make a, I can make a comment on it. And then if the person that I'm commenting on, it has some level of, of, of expertise in the situation. Right. And they come at me and they say, Hey, no, that's not true. This, you know, this is actually what, this is actually what happens or what it is. 
the people online don't seem to get like that person's not being an asshole to you. They're just telling you you're factually incorrect and that no offense, but your feelings do not matter. Right? So my thing is, is with Steve Cutler, if they're upset with Steve Cutler because he got, you know, bringing this back around because he caught COVID-19 because he wasn't following social distancing guidelines and he was out at a new year's Eve party. That's fine. But if your company policy or like expectation isn't that you're not going out to the public, you're not like, there's certain things you have to do as a, as a company, right? Like, you know what I mean? You can't say like, we're firing you because you went out to a party. When that guy who we all know, WWE superstars are contracted, right? You know, they're not, they're not like employees like me and Charlie of an organization where like, you know, are we're, we're kind of employed at the will of, of, of the organization. They're contracted. They're supposed to be paid a certain amount, work a certain amount of days, do a certain amount of things. Now, if they're saying, hey, you know, Steve Cutler, you missed two weeks of contracted work. Um, your public image is now starting to tarnish the public image of the company. Then, yeah, I can understand. Maybe they can catch them there. But you can't do that and then not reprimand the other superstars who were in the same room as him. You know what I mean? Because now you're clearly, like Charlie said, you're clearly showing a biased thought process or level to certain superstars. Like we know if Undertaker was slanging, you know, slanging a beer next to Steve Cutler, they're not dropping Undertaker from the legend section and Hall of Fame and all. Like they're not doing that, right? They're just going to turn a blind eye to it and act like it never happened. But Steve Cutler does it because he's a low-hanging fruit on the tree. They can make the example of Steve Cutler. And he said that, you know, it made people, you know, they promised Roman Reigns that they would keep him safe. And that's why he's back on television. And you're like, look, I get it to a certain extent where at that point. But if Roman really was unsafe or felt unsafe, he wouldn't be working right now. Right? He would have never come back. But he's back, and he's working every fucking week, you know, sometimes twice a week if they have a pay-per-view. You can't convince me that you're trying to sell this bag of goods to people of, oh, well, he was let go because we've made promises to other people that are health, you know, at-risk health-wise in our company that people won't go out and do these things. What the fuck does that even mean? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so, so Roman, who's at risk comes back to work, Steve Cutler loses his job because he went out and kind of just continued to live his life like a lot of people in Florida are doing. But Roman comes back to work and he exposes himself. How many off-camera guys do you think are going out to like a family party for Christmas? Because, you know, God forbid these guys have, you know, a lot of these guys that work for WWE have been on the road guys 305 days, 315 days a year. They don't get to go home and see their family on Halloween or Christmas, Halloween, you know, Thanksgiving, right? This year they got that ability, right? You know, these some of these roadie guys, these stagehand guys, things like people that are there every night for the WWE that we don't know work for the company. You mean to tell me that it, that guy who stands backstage and waits, at, you know, waits at the end of the night or is in the back to fix a light or do whatever? You mean to tell me that he's not potentially posing a risk to the wrestlers? But we don't care about those folks. We don't care about the unseen anomalies. We only care about making examples of low-hanging fruit. And, you know, I hate to say this, but, like, AEW has obviously had people test positive. 
AEW has done a much better job of not telling us who has tested positive unless that person was in a match. And they were like, hey, you know, he's not here because he tested positive and he's, he's staying home in an abundance of caution, blah, 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 blah. I like that better than finding out dudes are getting cut loose in the midst of a pandemic because they may or may have not caught a virus somewhere. You know what I mean? Because if Steve Cutler in, in, in Deanna Parazzi, she's the women's champion for TNA, I guess that's his wife or fiance. They were both at the party. She never tested positive. They lived together. She never tested positive. She was at work with Impact for the next two or three weeks. Or she actually, no, she said she took a week off. She took seven days or 10 days. So she actually didn't come to a taping for Impact. So she actually took out of, of, of precaution. She stayed home. But Casey Catanzaro and Ricochet have never been off of television. They've been on TV every week. So WWE needs to start making their decision of, if a superstar goes out and, and lives their life and takes it upon themselves to go get tested and do the right things, why are you dissuading superstars from doing that, right? If I'm, you know, if I'm a superstar in WWE and maybe I'm like a mid-car guy now, I'm going to be less likely to take it upon myself to go get tested. I'm just going to chance it now because I don't want to lose my job because, you know, I went to my mom's house and we had dinner and I posted about it on Instagram. And people can be like, oh, well, that's not the same as going out for a New Year's Eve party. No, it absolutely still is. You're still going out and seeing somebody that has interactions with whoever else is out in the general public. You know what I mean? Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm very interested to see where this goes. Steve Cutler, I don't believe, has come out and made any statements. Um, I know, obviously, um, I don't know if it's his girlfriend, fiance, or wife, but Deanna Barazzi has come out and said that basically people saying that Steve was being irresponsible, doing this, doing that. They need to start really looking at the other fo- other photos of that event and see who else was there. And I think that's where the Ricochet, Casey, Cat, and Zero stuff kind of came from. And she, I don't think she was doing that to throw people under the bus. But if that's your husband or your fiance or your boyfriend and he just lost his job, but there was five other people in the room that work with him that are still employ- gainfully employed, I'd be a little upset too. Um, and I can understand where the frustration is coming from. Now, we all probably to a certain extent agree that the best way to have avoided this whole thing was probably to not go to the party, right? But like um, Deanna Parazzi said, or I keep, I don't even think I'm pronouncing her name right, whatever. But she said, everybody that was at that party is were, were wrestlers. They were involved in the professional wrestling business. So they had all been like tested weekly, daily, whatever. So they all felt that they were safe, right? And we do know that Superstars are hanging out with one another during quarantine. You know what I mean? We 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 know Biggie um for a little bit, Biggie, Kofi Kingston, and Xavier Woods were podcasting separately, but now they're back in the same room. Uh we we know that they've that some of these superstars have had like get togethers to play video games and things like so it's not like these superstars are not living their lives still. They're just kind of living within their bubble, which I think a lot of people during this pandemic have done. And if by happenstance somebody in your bubble catches COVID-19, it kind of happens and you're probably going to catch it as well. It's one of those things that we kind of got to live with and we don't want to spread it. So I agree, maybe having a massive New Year's Eve party is not a good idea, but I can't attest to how many people are at the party. I think Parazzi said there was like 15 people there. Um, in Florida, I think the rule is 20. So technically they were within the, you know, the, the guidelines. So who the hell knows? Um, but I think that's enough on that.
so basically, we'll see what Steve Cutler has to say, or if he says anything, or if he just accepts his punishment. It seems like Steve's a pretty, pretty decent, pretty decent guy um, from what you know we've seen of him, and I, I do believe he's ex-military as well, because um, he was a part of that whole Forgotten Sons angle. Um, but we'll move on. We're gonna go into WWE results, main roster results, uh, Monday Night Raw and SmackDown from this past week. I, it was so in, in the interest of time, right? Because we just spent what thirty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking, why don't we just hit the highlights? Because yeah. uh, there's a lot to go over. I think more so with NXT and AEW. Yeah. So, so for for Raw and SmackDown, it was really just the Edge tour. Um, this past week, um. Him and Randy Orton had their, their I guess, their rubber match. Edge ends up winning by distraction from Alexa Bliss, which they're playing up the Alexa Bliss thing pretty well. Um, it's it's building a lot of interest in the return for The Fiend, um, and, I, and I enjoyed that. Uh, Damian Priest makes his Raw debut, beats... Um, uh, beats The Miz in his Raw debut. Um, and then they just absolutely murdered Matt Riddle. Uh, Bobby Lashley just freaking snapped and, you know, whatever. It That match was very surprising to me. I did not expect it to go the way it went. Uh, but it definitely made Bobby Lashley look more intense and more, you know, vindictive in what he, you know, he, he normally does. Um, good. Yeah, which is very good for his character, especially heading into WrestleMania season. Um, Bianca Belair uh, opened up SmackDown, basically, you know, coming out and, or sorry, Roman opened up SmackDown, coming out and um, basically demanding Edge's respect and demanding that, you know, Edge gives him an, an answer and doesn't make him sweat it. Um, and Edge comes out and has a pretty intense face off. And then after that, we got the Bianca Belair um, basically coming out all but all but ascertaining that she's interested in facing Sasha. So I think me and you both agreed initially that that was probably going to be the outcome was going to be Sasha versus her, which I'm for. I, I, I'd rather see that than her versus, um, than her versus Asuka. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Daniel Bryan. Well, I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm going to stick to my prediction here that we're going to see Becky versus Asuka at WrestleMania. Okay. Um, and then uh, Cesaro defeated Daniel Bryan. And they've been having a series of matches. And I, so Daniel Bryan is a part of the SmackDown writing team. And I'm pretty sure Daniel Bryan is booking himself. And he's booking people he wants to wrestle across the company or call, at least across SmackDown at the moment. Because I think, I think DB is planning on doing a farewell tour whenever the fans get back. And, you know, kind of riding off into the sunset and doing his thing, which I'm fine with. And he's put on three great matches with Cesaro to this point. He's, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was teasing at the Rumble when him and Riddle were going back and forth that he wants, you know, you know, I think that's a program he's probably interested in. So there's a bunch of people that I think Daniel Bryan can put on some good, good in-ring stuff. So don't sleep on that if you have an opportunity to go back. And if you watch any match from Friday night, I would say watch that. Um, and then... Fucking Hulk Hogan makes an appearance. And I'm pretty sure that was literally only done for the sake of talking smack on the network afterwards because Mustafa Ali comes on and basically just destroys Hogan and saying that his whole segment was pointless. It took away from people that matter and that he didn't need to be there. Yep. Um, and then uh, 
Intercontinental Championship match, uh, Big E retains versus Apollo Crews and um, Sami Zayn. So, and, and the heel turn is coming. Yeah. So, so it seems like Apollo Crews may end up aligning himself with uh, Roman Reigns and um, Paul Heyman. Anything to make Apollo? I think they realized Cedric Alexander was really good as a babyface, but he is a thousand times better as a heel. And he's really good when he has a mouthpiece. And I'm thinking, I'm starting to think they feel the same way for Apollo Crews. Um, in the sense that he's got the look, he's got the in-ring ability, he just has no personality. Him and Bobby Lashley basically were cut from the same paper bag. So at the end of the day, teaming him with Roman and uh, Heyman and allowing them to be a mouthpiece for him would probably be best for his career. Not just in the sense that he's going to get more opportunities because he's absolutely going to, but also he kind of gets to learn how to be the bad guy before he actually has to be it. And he's honestly, if, if, if we're talking about a guy who ends up making a turn and then going after a world title, he's a bit more believable than like a Jey Uso. Or Jimmy Uso, or who, you know, some of these other guys that have been put in that position recently. Um, but all right, let's move off of that, and then let's move into our Wednesday night segment. Um, would you overall? Would you think a beach break for for AEW as a, as a a special? So I enjoy it. Um, you know, like part there were parts of it that were like. Um, I wasn't thrilled, but the, the the episode all the way through, you know, it, it kept my attention. Um, the the tag match to to start everything off, you know, the the, the battle royal, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Um, it was good. Like, it, it, I mean, it was fine. I would have preferred to see the Bucks win. Um, or, and I and I know that you know why FTR wasn't there. Um, I don't care about uh jurassic express so this feud between ftr and jurassic express yeah doesn't seem to excite me um but uh so since ftr wasn't in it uh you know i was hoping bucks would win and get their you know have their match with uh with the good brothers that obviously didn't happen i still we're we're getting the shoehorn team of jericho and mjf I still think yeah. we're going to get that match, though. I mean, I think so, too, eventually. But, uh, you know, like, I like Chris Jericho. I have no problems with MJF. Uh, you know, I don't mind the whole, um, you know, MJF working his way into the inner circle, which will ultimately lead to its destruction. But this tag team of theirs, you know, going for the tag titles, like, mm-hmm. I just... I'm not feeling it, I guess, is, is the best way to say. But I enjoyed Beach Bash. Uh, I, I even enjoyed the wedding. And I normally don't care at all for wedding angles, yeah. like, ever. So. so, And then the main event was good, obviously, for, um, because of everybody involved. And uh, then the surprise at the very end with uh, Kenta making his uh, presence yeah. known. Yeah, so, you know, I... I agree with you. So I would have much preferred the Bucks to win. I understand what they're doing with MJF and Jericho, though. So I'm not super upset with them being the ones to win. But at the same time, you know, I understand where they're moving with it. I They're not going to beat 
they're not going to beat the Bucks for the belt. So I, we don't have to worry about that. It's going to give the Bucks a more serious win. So, you know, like in our eyes, is like wrestling marks. We don't care that they beat two singles competitors thrown together. But they're beating MJF and Chris Jericho, who as singles competitors, we 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 respect them highly. You know what I mean? They're upper echelon. Right. But part of me believes they beat Jericho and MJF. That starts the Jericho MJF friction to their feud. And then I'm going to say that we end up seeing the Bucks and um, Good Brothers wrestling some at some point down the road. The inner circle will not be a faction by the end of 2021, in my opinion. Just watching the show every week, it's it's heading in that direction. Right. Um. But yeah, I enjoyed the the battle royals. Good, it had its spots. Um, wasn't as sloppy as their normal battle royals. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, I would have preferred if they were going to replace um ftr with a tag team i would have preferred it to been the the varsity blondes though instead of john silver and alex reynolds just because they already had evil uno and Stu grayson in there and i just think that was too much dark order in one match for my my liking um so we also get sting and darby allen come out to talk about and to address their street fight what um ftw yep uh, faction at uh, Revolution. Honestly, the the whole thing is getting kind of carny in the sense that last was it last week we got the the promo or the 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 backstage segment where Sting is smashing out the window with the baseball bat and Darby Allen threw a skateboard through it. Like it's yeah. it's. Yeah. It's hit. It's not. It's not not hitting its mark well for me. There's so this is, and you know, I know there are a lot of Sting fans out there. I just am not one of them. I think I've I've mentioned that on this show before. So, like, there isn't anything I think Sting could do to make me go, "Oh man, I'm really looking forward to that Sting match," because those words have only been ever uttered out of my mouth with sarcasm. So, so I enjoy. Listen. I enjoy Sting in 1970, 80, 90, early 2000s. I do not enjoy 2010 in older Sting. And it has nothing to do with Sting. It has everything to do with the companies he works for and what they want out of him. WWE wanted, what they wanted from Sting was, we want you be you to be crow black and white sting, but when you come into the company, you've got to be the Joker character that you were in TNA, compiled with your red, white, and blue sting from back in the day. And it's like Sting's like a weird mixture now of those three characters, and they just don't work together. When Sting's got the white and the black and the trench coat with the baseball bat and he's doing that, like, the Sting stuff, like, the first couple of weeks of, of AEW, like, he just kind of came out and he didn't say a word. He was ominous and he did his thing, like, and they did that for a little bit in WWE, but then they went away from it when he got into the whole stuff with Seth Rollins and then 
you know, now he's in AEW and like he he has like a week or two of being ominous and then he comes out and he cuts like a heartfelt like reunion stick promo with Tony Schiavone and you're like that's not what I'm looking for, Sting. Like if you want to be you, be whichever version of you you want to be, but you can't be them all at the same time because then now that's what we have. That backstage segment where Darby throws his fucking skateboard through the window and then Sting starts hitting bat, using his bat to hit out little windows and shit. Like, that's not what Crow Sting would have done in WCW, right? He would have just shot a promo where flashing lights, black and white, ooh, Sting, ooh, bah, bah, bah. That shit would still work right now with him and Darby Allen. Him and Darby Allen are basically the same fucking character molds, right? Black and white face paint, kind of crazy, kind of, you know, going against the grain and fighting against bigger people than themselves. They work well together. But then you have him turn around and he cuts a promo in that same segment. And he's like red, white, and blue sting. And then he trying to tries to kind of tradition tr- transition into that Joker. Like I'm, I'm unhinged. You don't like, you don't know what you're getting from me. Like, no, we do. You're 67 years old with a bad spine. We know exactly what we're getting from you sting. You're going to get tagged in. You're going to hit a stinger splash, maybe a scorpion death drop. And then that's going to be the end of the match. They're not going to, they're not going to bury sting. It's not going to happen. So sting's going to bury Either a very promising Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, or Will Hobbs. That's what's going to happen. For the sake of what? Because it's not helping Darby Allen. It would have been helpful for Darby Allen to come in and have Sting as like a, not even necessarily as a mouthpiece, but just make him like an enforcer at ringside for him, right? Make him do something where like, you know, when, when people start to get involved, Sting can come in with the bat and, you know, actually use it. Not just pointed at people and they're like, oh my God, it's a 78-year-old guy with a bat. You 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 know what happens to a normal person Sting's age that points a bat at somebody that looks like Brian Cage? They end up having that bat fucking firmly inserted up their rectum because Brian Cage is a fucking animal and Sting is not. Um but I digress on that. There's enough talk about Sting. Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, I thought was a great match for Britt Baker. They have booked Thunder Rosa to look so weak in this feud. And I ultimately think it means Thunder Rosa is going to go over in the end. But Britt Baker has looked much better, which AEW needs. They need her to be the face of their women's division, at least domestically. Obviously, Akar Sheeta is the best woman in the division for, for, for their wrestling. But she's not getting over. You know what I mean? She's just not moving the needle for them. Britt Baker will move the needle for AEW when it's time. What did you think of the, Did you watch, really watch the match, I guess I should ask? <laughs> I watched it. It was, it was fine. Yeah. Um, like, no complaints, nothing about it. Like, uh, that was like, oh, my God. Um, you know, that, one of the better AEW women's matches that, that we're going to get on TV. So Yeah. Um, then we'll move on. Adam Page, uh, Matt Hardy versus Chaos Project. I don't quite know what they're doing with Adam Page. It seems like everybody wants Adam Page to become a member of their faction, but Adam Page just wants to be by himself. But I did like this match, and I do like, as crazy as it is, I do like the new Matt Hardy character. A lot of people are shitting on it, but I like this money Matt, like, and if people aren't realizing what he's doing, he's... You know, because they, they gave a lot of shit to like Brody when he came in and they said, oh, you're acting like Vince McMahon. 
No, Matt Hardy is acting like Vince McMahon. And I'm some some dirt sheets have picked up on it and are like, oh, another ex WWE guy trying to be, you know, trying to take shots and da 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 da. Matt Hardy is fucking he's gold. When it, when he's clean, when he's he's in the right mindset and he's doing the right stuff he needs to do, like he's been over probably the last five or six years, Matt Hardy is pretty hard to top in ways of putting himself and peop other people around him over. Um, I think private party is going to benefit from it. I think if Adam page gets involved, I think he's going to benefit from it. Um, but I do think Matt in this point of his career where we know he doesn't move very well, we know he has some, you know, you know, he's obviously showing some wear and tear from the years of abuse. He put his body through. He does such a brilliant job of reinventing himself year in and year out and gimmick after gimmick after gimmick. And I think this is going to be his broken Matt Hardy for AEW. This whole money mat thing of like roping in this like underappreciated or undervalued talent and, you know, basically taking advantage of them financially. And as long as they benefit in the ring, doesn't matter about the money side of things. Um, what do you, so what do you, what do you think of that? What do you think of, 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 of Matt Hardy? So at this point in, in AEW, that's fine. Um, you know, I, I got nothing against Matt Hardy. Uh, he, I liked him better as the, you know, just being the manager for private party. Yeah. Um, not, not really inserting himself into their stuff. And it's not that Matt Hardy can't go in the ring anymore. It's just, you know, how much of it do you really want to watch? That was the question. Right. And that's where I'm at. Like, I don't, I don't need Matt Hardy wrestling on TV anymore. Like, yeah, yeah, he's entertaining. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't disagree with a single word you said. Um, I just, I have no desire to watch Matt Hardy. So, so, um, then we move on, uh, wedding you said was actually one of the more entertaining weddings in wrestling. And we know weddings and wrestling are always a disaster. Um, but if you realize they were doing a lot of tropes in this, a lot of things that they normally do in weddings, they had like a special, you know, officiant, they had people walk in Penelope before out to the ring, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But then obviously, like having Chuck Taylor lose the match and have to be the butler before the wedding, you know, and usually like those butler like servant storylines, they usually last a little while, right? They usually they don't like end immediately like the week or two after like it happens. It usually is is like a character being consistently buried for a per- pretty period of time. I mean, shit, even when John Cena technically became like the member of Nexus, he was in that for what, like a month and a half, almost two months. Um, so obviously Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy get the better of Miro and Kip Sabian during the course of this wedding segment. Um, but it was just, it's, it's funny to see like AEW doing some traditional wrestling trips of like this Butler wedding type bullshit, but then kind of turning it on its head and be like, Oh, well, no, this time it's actually going to work out in favor for the good guys. And we're going to, you know, we're, they're going to ruin it. And then we're going to move on from the Butler thing immediately. Cause that's what happened. Right. We're, we're under the impression that Chuck Taylor is no longer Charles Taylor, the Butler and him in orange Cassidy will be feuding with Miro and Kip Sabian as a result of the actions at the wedding. Um, They continue to book Miro in a weird way, but apparently that's what Miro wants. Miro is apparently pretty big in his, his booking and he's, these are the things that he wants to do. So I don't know. 
Um, then you got the lumberjack match between Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston. I'm a big Eddie Kingston guy. I think he's extremely one of the most underrated signings that they've had to date. Um, he isn't like aesthetically pleasing, like I, by any stretch of the imagination for like what a wrestler people think wrestlers should look like, but God damn, that guy is, he's great in the ring. He's great on the mic and he believes that he's the best at what he's doing. And then obviously you have Lance Archer on the other end who his character is in like a weird flux, right? You know, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? He definitely teeters on the line between the two of them pretty well, which made a really good match here and a really good build to this match. But obviously Archer going over made more sense. Um, did you like, did you like the lumberjack match? Uh, so like, so like I said at the beginning, I enjoyed the show. It kept my attention. Um, but there wasn't anything on here that was like, I, I don't know how to put it. Like it was, it was a solid C show. It was, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, if we're being honest, obviously it's a Wednesday night dynamite. They put a lot of good stuff on there. There's a lot of like, but like the problem is, is like you have like a wedding, like a wedding segment should have been just done on a random dynamite. It didn't need to be done on a, on like a, a theme beach break. Like cause next week's dynamite is just a regular dynamite, but it was like, they put everything, but we're, we're growing accustomed. I think in this pandemic era of wrestling to AW and NXT doing these themed weekly shows. And we're kind of all in the same boat of like, they're losing their luster now. Because we get what, like one once every month, right? It, it doesn't feel like it's a big deal, yeah. and and I'll I'll also you know say like this too. So in watching both shows, I I enjoyed NXT more because it was more of a wrestling show. Well, NXT was so NXT first beach break this week was more NXT is still being NXT, but like next is it next week is Vengeance. Uh, two weeks is vengeance. Whatever. They're, we're getting a themed vengeance day, pay, you know, you know, pay per view light on Wednesday night for NXT in a couple weeks. Yeah. That's where we're gonna get Pete Dunn versus Finn Balor. We're gonna get a bunch of other people, right? Um, other matches. So my thing is with Beach Break, you know, versus NXT. I agree with you. NXT was a better show Wednesday night, but it didn't have the same ending or feel. That Beach Break had. Beach Break's ending and payoff is way above what NXT's was, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, leads yeah, us, which leads us to the main event: um, Death Triangle, uh, Ray Phoenix and Pac with John Moxley versus Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Great match, um, great spots. The person that came out of this match looking the best, in my opinion, was Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix looked great in the ring. He hit all his spots flawlessly on anybody that was in the ring. And then obviously, you know, at the end of the night, the person that comes out looking, you know, looking amazing is Kenta, who makes his AW Impact US debut um, on Beach Break for AW when he attacks John Moxley. Obviously, him and John Moxley are entrenched in a feud for the and um, New Japan. Uh, U.S. Championship. Kenta currently holds the number one contendership or title shot briefcase that he won at the G1 Climax last year. Um, and he's yeah. held it for like over a year. And Moxley, um, so 
Kenta's debut Wednesday was not the first inclination that AEW is now working with New Japan. Moxley appeared on New Japan USA um, last week when he confronted Kenta face-to-face. Um, this is the first time this has happened in over a year. And we, we all, as you know, Smarks and, and Marks, the wrestling business, we knew that AEW and New Japan did not have a working deal that would allow AEW wrestlers that are contracted in the U.S. to wrestle on any U.S.-based shows in the country for New Japan. So clearly that's not the case anymore. At least as of last week, it wasn't the case anymore. And then obviously Kenta's arrival on AEW just added a whole bottle of you know gasoline to that fire. And people, the internet, rightfully so, took notice, and it was the talk of, of the town for the last week. Um, we're going to get into that right after we break down um, NXT. Um, and like we said, we did, we did, in, we did enjoy NXT a lot on um, Wednesday. Uh, you had Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher beating um, Undisputed Era in the Dusty Cup Classic to move on to the finals, right? Is it the finals next week versus um, yeah. Grizzle or, or Vengeance oh, Day versus? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, n- no, it's not the finals. Okay. Is it? I thought because, it was. Um, because you still have MSK is okay. still in it. Um, Grizzled Young Veterans, Thatcher and Champa. Who's the fourth team? It was the quarterfinals. So next week's the semifinals. Yeah. yeah. So whatever. So Thatcher and uh, uh, Champa, Champa, um, move on in the tournament. They beat UE in a great match. Um, those four guys in the ring together. I had no doubt it was going to be good. Uh, Austin Theory defeated Leon Ruff. Um, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez unfortunately defeated Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter to move on in the women's match. I'm not a fan of that at all. I think we we had this discussion when we were discussing the women's discussing the women's field a couple weeks back, and we said that Caden and Casey were the only actual tag team in the entire tournament, in my opinion. And now don't get me wrong, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez have been together for a while, like as a, as, as a tandem, but I don't consider them a tag team. And obviously Raquel Gonzalez is strapped for the moon as well with a rocket on her back. And she's going to surpass Dakota Kai any moment. I would almost, I would almost put money down that Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai win this tournament. And she turns on Dakota Kai at the trophy presentation, just because it makes sense. Like how they got to split them up, right? She's got to move on and do her own thing. She's the new Rhea Ripley of NXT, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and yeah, it, I mean, it just takes away from the, the women's, the yeah. women's thing to build a single star. And I don't like that. Yeah. I, I think that you could have at least had the, this match as the final. Yes. Right. Um, but just bad. Booking. It is what it is. Yep. I guess they did Ember Moon and, uh, um, who's Ember team with? I don't even remember now. Um, to to be the team that gets sacrificed. Yeah. So early. So um we move on Leon Ruff and Austin Theory. Austin Theory beats Leon Ruff. Leon Ruff love him, hate him, like, you know, whatever. The dude is getting weekly airtime. So he's doing the right things at the right time for the company because that guy is involved every week in NXT. It's great. It's great to see that his little like fluke NXT championship win has kind of turned into 
like a, like an actual you know booking situation for for this guy because he was with Evolve when WWE purchased the company. He was one of, I think like five people they brought in from the company. So clearly he impressed someone at some point, and he's done great in the ring. Even in losses against like Theory and and um, Gargano, he's looked good. Uh, obviously Dexter Loomis is still targeting the way and coming after Theory at the end of the match after he tried to beat up on. Um, up on a uh, rough. Um, and then we get the other, we get, uh, we get Legato de Phasm defeating Grim at the leak and Lince Dorado. Um, I'm very confused on the Lince Dorado or sorry, the, um, the, the Legato de Phasm. Cause we're going to get to this in, in, a, in a sec with, um, what's his name? Um, Santo Escobar beating Kurt Stallion. But then at the end of the match, why is Karrion Cross going after um, Escobar? I'm very confused. Uh, because, uh, because he was he was running his mouth about uh, Karrion Cross. It's not it's not one of those things where Karrion Cross is going to be a face or you know anything like that, or even going after the cruiserweight championship. Yeah, uh, I don't mind it because I think they're brilliant in ring guys. So I think it's going to be a really good match. I was just very confused. I'm like. You're not going to convince me. You might have been able to convince some people that like Chad Gable was a cruiserweight, but I know damn well Chad Gable weighs two. If I weigh two twenty five, I know damn sure Chad Gable weighs like two thirty, two forty. You ain't not convincing me that Karrion Cross is a cruiserweight. There was no way that was going to happen. But obviously, I, I I thought the same way you thought of like this is just going to be a match, a program between these two guys who don't like each other, and I'm cool with that because yeah, if it, he if he can it, if he can get a yeah. little rub from Cross. It could help him transition, like kind of like Rey Mysterio did from cruiserweight to heavyweight. But I still, I think Escobar is, he's another shoot for the moon guy. I think he's another, he's what Andrade could have been, but he, he's much, he's just much better in my opinion. And I know a lot of people love Andrade, but I fucking think that, I think that Escobar is a thousand times better in the ring than he is. Um, and then obviously Edge addresses Finn Balor. Does a little like, you know, rah rah speech. You know, pumps up both challengers. You know, he's not challenging fucking Finn Balor. It was so pointless to have him there. It just makes no sense. Um, we obviously know at this point he has to do it. So, um, yeah, I just I thought it was silly, only because it's like we've pretended all this time, or at least for the past year, that there's no NXT doesn't matter to the main roster. Yeah. So why are we now going? Hey. Let's go ahead and uh, throw out the possibility that they can challenge any champion. Like Edge is not coming after no, no, and it's and it's and it's a waste of time. It's you know, but I think it added a little bit. Him talking up the two guys adds a little bit to their their fight in a couple weeks. But ultimately, you know, when I made the graphic after the Rumble, I didn't include Balor for a reason because we know it's between. Either Drew or Roman. It's never going to be NXT. Um, Tony Storm um, wins by disqualification, and then she is immediately attacked by Mercedes Martinez. And then Eero Shirai comes out and enters Frey, which sets up a triple threat match for NXT Takeover Vengeance Day, which I'm cool with. I'm cool with. I think it's the best use of these three women at the moment. Finally, something makes sense, but somebody needs to take this strap 
off of Ira Shirai. I don't care if it's Tony Storm. I don't care if it's Mercedes Martinez. Somebody needs to beat her on Vengeance Day. Because Ira Shirai has done nothing to move the needle as a champion, in my opinion. It's time to move on from her. And and if if she's smart, she does not move on to the main roster. She stays in NXT and just fights to win back the title. Improve your character. Do something. Because in my opinion, I've said this time and time again on this show, she's the most uninteresting champion NXT women's division has had. And that's, I mean, I get the bars high because some of the talent that was there before her, but she is not fun to watch, in my opinion. And I know a lot of people like her. And, I, and if she's your cup of tea, I'm sorry that I'm shitting on your, you know, one of your superstars, but she she is not on television consistently for a reason, in my opinion. She's just not, she's not, she's not worth the, the, the space. Um, Santo Escobar defeats Kurt Stallion, immediately attacked. Um, his guys get attacked by Karrion Cross, and then... Karen Cross basically tells him his time's running out, which sets up their program, which I'm all for, like we said. And then Tomasa Ciampa, Timothy Thatcher defeats Undisputed Era, like we said in the quarterfinals. Good match to end the show. You put those four guys in the ring, like I said before, it's going to be a good match. I'm sure you enjoyed it too because you finally got to see your boy Adam Cole in a wrestling ring for what seems like the, what, probably the, at least the second time in the last four months. Yeah. Um, a minute. So, um, overall, like we said, NXT did put on a much better show, but unfortunately they didn't win the night. Is that safe to say? Um, I, I would say as far as noteworthy things, the, uh, the uh, AEW wins because only because of this now once again shaking up the landscape of professional wrestling and utilizing Kenta, um, and now you have AEW Impact and New Japan all and and to some extent, well, I guess even NWA. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're you know all under the same, all kind of working under the same. I I'm, I don't know if I'd say the same umbrella, but they have this working relationship. But yeah. The the four biggest independent companies out there, uh, you know, the only one that's excluded is Ring of Honor. So the the thing is, people need to start to realize is is when you know like like you you just said independent companies. New Japan is not an independent company to Japanese people new japan is professional wrestling the only professional wrestling that the japanese folks and japanese culture attunes to right like they have their own stadium shows their own like the tokyo dome fits fifty five thousand people and they filled that up pretty consistently over the last five years prior to the pandemic so my thing is is people need to start to realize that like yes Professional wrestling personified for us as the American-based audience is WWE. We consider them the major leagues. But when you go over to Japan, they don't consider WWE to be the only big dog in the world. You know what I mean? Like, Because for them, their weekly television and weekly wrestling is their Japanese wrestling and their company. So when, when Charlie brings up, you know, the idea that, you know, the independents are working together... 
you can't really say that now about AEW. AEW is a major wrestling company. It's it's on TNT. It's got a television deal. It has ad- paid advertisements. It's got a full touring schedule when the pandemic's not in. It does paid pay-per-views that actually sell, not just like, you know, I hate to say this, but like TNA where they get like, you know, two or three buys a, <laughs> a pay-per-view. But the same can now, you know, I, I hate, you know, as like I said, I, you say the same thing about AEW, you can say the same thing about TNA. How long has people, have people said like TNA is going to go bankrupt or they're not going to exist anymore or they're this, that, and the third, right? How many times have we heard that as wrestling fans? They're the little, literal cockroach of the professional wrestling world. And I don't say that to make, to, to demean them, but they do not die. They find a way, they jump from channel to channel, they do whatever they got to do, and they seemingly find themselves coming out on the right end of history most of the time. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not finding their doors shuttered for good. So we in the professional wrestling world have always wondered, like, what would happen if, you know, you know back in the 90s during the Attitude Era, what would have happened if WWE and WCW would have done a joint pay-per-view? Or, you know, and WCW worked, you know, people forget this too, WCW worked with New Japan. They did like four or five different shows with New Japan, War of Worlds pay-per-views, where WCW sent WCW talent over to Japan and they wrestled New Japan talent. The same shit could happen today. People were failing to realize this. Like, yes, Ring of Honor, I still consider to be an independent. But Ring of Honor also has a, a, a broadcasting deal with, through Sinclair Broadcasting. It puts them in every house in the country. You know, I, kind, NWA, I would say, of all the companies that, that the AEW is associated with, in a sense, I would say NWA is probably the closest to an independent. Because, yes, they had that little YouTube thing with power that was super successful in a short period of time, but they don't really do much. You know what I mean? They don't have their own, like, like touring schedule and broadcast. Like, Nick Aldis kind of just runs around the country defending the title. Same thing for Syrah uh, Deeb right now with the, the women's title. However, though, I still think the idea of putting AEW, NWA, TNA, and New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor is just late to this party, in my opinion. And who knows? Maybe the people at Ring of Honor are still fucking butthurt. But at some point, you have to put your personal feelings aside and say, fuck it, I want to make some money, right? Like, at what point do you say, okay, you know what, Jay Lethal, we're sending you down there. You're going to go wrestle, you know, Chris Bay for TNA. Or, hey, we're going to send you down there. You're going to go and wrestle... Uh, you know, Hangman Page. Like, make some money, man. What are we doing? Like, if, if, if at the end of the day, if all these companies are at the table eating and Ring of Honor is the only one sitting by themselves, don't you have to start to ask the question, like, what are we doing wrong? Like, why are we not a part of this right now? Because I would love to see Jonathan Gresham wrestle some of these guys. Jay Lethal wrestle some of these guys. Um... There's plenty of talent still in Ring of Honor that's just not, you know, Matt Taven. You know, there's plenty of people that aren't getting the shine that they deserve, right? Let those guys breathe, man. Let them come down. I'm still waiting for Nick Aldis to show up. 
That's the only thing I'm waiting for. And I don't know if maybe Billy Corgan just keeping Nick Aldis off of competitor television or maybe Tony Khan just hasn't opened up a big enough check yet for it. But I'm waiting for that moment. But I think, t- I think that probably comes on the heels of Kenny winning the TNA title. But who knows when that's going to happen because they're putting Moose and Rich Swan in a program right now, I guess, to unify their title. And then I'm sure that's probably when Kenny will set his sights. But what is, what's your overall feeling now, knowing that it's not just like TNA and NWA, but now also potentially New Japan teaming up with AEW? What do you what do you think this does to professional wrestling as a whole moving forward? I mean, it it definitely, uh, like I said before, it, it changes the landscape because now you can have all of these folks. You can you can have a successful faction like the Bullet Club appear on any show yep. if this working relationship stays true, which means that, you know, it's only going to grow in even more popularity, right? Yeah. Um, well, I think I messaged you, but, like, New Japan has a, a, an American show again. Um, yeah. Start, oh, it's going to be on the Roku channel uh, starting this week. So, um you you have all of these promotions, you have all of these wrestlers, and they're all going to kind of harmonize and work together. Now, obviously, we still have to see how it all plays out. Um, or is this all just some ultimate ploy for AEW to, um, you know, kind of play nice, but ultimately it's only about them making themselves bigger and better. Yeah. So- um, so I know, I know, I know. Most of the, the the talent in AEW that was wrestling in New Japan at one point wants to go back to New Japan. They want to go back and wrestle for for the company again. That includes the VPs. That includes the Bucks, Kenny, Cody, all these guys that are involved. They've all come out and publicly said, like, we didn't close the door on New Japan for ourselves. They closed it on us. And there's a really good uh, wrestlers in room service episode with the Bucks. And Kenny Omega, and they literally dive into like the months leading up to the announcement of AEW, of like how things kind of really started to go, like the pace started to quicken, like the companies were really pressuring them, Ring of Honor New Japan, to resign, and they really wanted an answer, but they really couldn't give them an answer because they didn't want to ruin. Because what they knew what was going to happen was, is okay, well, if we don't sign this contract. Now we can hold off telling them what we're doing and we don't need to tell them what we're doing because this is our business. We're doing this because you know, what's going to happen. They're going to ruin our reveal. And ultimately I agree with them. I agree that new Japan would have came out when people were asking about like, what's the status of Kenny Omega. They're not going to lie. They're going to say, he's not resigning with our company. He's going to start his own. And that would have blown up everything AEW was trying to do as far as keeping things kind of secretive to a sense, right? But at the same time, Kenny and the Bucks talk about like, you know, this is the same company that we would, you know, have a match in New York because they were partnered with Ring of Honor in New York and then have to take a red-eye flight from New York 
to California, from California to Japan and do a five-day stretch of wrestling in Japan and then take a flight back home to see our family for a couple of hours and then take a flight to go to whatever next town that Ring of Honor was in. He was like, and we put ourselves through that because we were the top guys. We knew we had to do these things. But we were sacrificing so much of our own lives to better to put these companies in a better standing, even if we weren't sticking around than they were before we got there. And a lot of, I think, of fans that don't appreciate what the Bucks and what Kenny and what Cody and Hangman did for AEW, for, for, for New Japan and Ring of Honor, they're upset because they're doing the same things for AEW. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, well, they, you know, those guys, they, they abandoned them. They did that. No, they didn't. They just went into business for themselves because they wanted to have a better life. They wanted to be able to see their families and make good money and have secure futures moving forward. Like they were, they were a cog in a machine before they started AEW, and now they are the machine turning the cog. And they're taking care of everyone that they've had an interaction with to this point. Do you really think all these wrestlers would want to work in this company if they weren't doing things they said they were actually going to do? They would just stay in WWE. WWE was a, is a guaranteed payday now because AEW exists. And there's still superstars that are like, nah, I'm going to go over there. You know what I mean? Like that, that it blows my mind, like the backlash. Cause I, obviously the next day I wanted to see what Talentanga had to say. And they cut the little promo after Kenta attacked Moxley. And he's like, you're not my friend. Fuck you. He's like, shut, what do you say? Shut the fuck up. You're not my friend. And like, Kenny was like, oh, well, no. And like, he played it off. But like, we're clearly building towards an OG versus the elite bullet club feud. And whether it, it takes place in AEW or it takes place on New Japan television, it's going to happen, right? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, you're going you're gonna to have this, uh, this Bullet Club versus Bullet Club, ultimately with, you know, Kenta and the, and the, the, the actual Bullet Club that still exists, uh, I, I feel is going to come out on top. Yes. Uh, you know, just so that way it's like, yeah, these guys aren't Bullet Club anymore. Yeah. But I like this, though. This makes sense. This thing, this all builds into one another. And the thing is, when we, we talk about it, though, like, I, obviously, I was talking about Tamatanga and his tweets. People are like, fuck those guys. They're not Bullet Club. They were never Bullet Club. They were just the elite. And you're like, shut the fuck up. You were the most annoying wrestling fans. You didn't know who the fuck the Bullet Club was before Kenny Omega launched it into the goddamn stratosphere. And don't give me that shit of, oh, I knew it was because of AJ Styles. No, you didn't, motherfucker. Nobody knew about it until Kenny came involved. And don't get me wrong, we all know that Finn started it. We all know that Adam had his run in it and all that good shit, right? I have to say, I didn't care about Bullet Club. Like, I cared about New Japan. I watched it. I watched it when AJ was there. I watched it when um, Adam Cole took over for his brief. I mean, Adam Cole was literally the leader of the Bullet Club for a fucking hot cup of coffee. But you want to know the night that everybody remembers in Bullet Club? They remember when Kenny and them took out AJ Styles. Everybody remembers when the Bucks and Marty Scroll took out Adam Cole. Nobody talks about when AJ and them 
turned on Finn. Like that's it, it's it, it's or, or when the Bullet Club allowed Finn to leave or whatever. Nobody talks about that stuff. They talk the, the two moments that that are most talked about are those two moments, and then when Kenny was kicked. You know when they when when the OGs laid waste to the elite. Those three moments in Bullet Club history are the three most talked about Bullet Club moments. But there's not a person who has taken the reins of Bullet Club and done more in his short amount of time as the leader than Kenny Omega. Because Jay, since Kenny and them have left, Jay White has had a tremendous run as the de facto, even though they won't say anybody's a leader, right? I think we all agree Jay White is in a different stratosphere than he ever was, right? But has he taken New Japan to any new heights? No. He, he just hasn't. He's not the same guy. Kenny and the Bucks had a different aura. They had a different feel. And they brought eyes and attention to New Japan and Ring of Honor that had never seen before. I personally, for three straight WrestleManias, went to the Supercard instead of NXT because of the guys in the Elite and in the Bullet Club. I literally bought the tickets for New York. When we went to New York, I had, uh, we went to the Supercard, the Super G1. I literally bought those tickets in, in what, October, thinking that I was going to see Kenny and the Bucks and Cody and all the, all the Bullet Club guys. None of them ended up being there because AEW launched in January. Was I upset? No. I still went and saw the fucking show. It was still a great show. It doesn't change the product that's in the ring. It just, after they leave, it's kind of like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not that interested anymore. You know what I mean? It's the right. same shit that happened to WCW. When guys that were young, upcoming dudes that were carrying the card week in and week out at every pay-per-view started jumping ship to go to WWE, I started to gravitate towards WWE. That's, it's, it just makes sense. The old school guys that had been there for decades that really didn't move the needle, those are the guys that were left behind. I hate to say this because I think, you know, like... New Japan has their version of John Cena and Tanahashi, but he's a guy that's cons- consistently booked in the top of the card, but he's not a top-tier guy anymore. You know what I mean? He's just, he's not. Like, them just now putting the belt on Kota Ibushi is a problem. He's a guy that had mainstream appeal because he did super well in the Cruiserweight Classic. He's teamed with Kenny Omega in the past. He had his whole Golden Star run. And he's won different belts over his the last like year or two or whatever. But look how long it took him to win the belts. Like That's crazy to me to think that that guy who is that talented, almost 15 years to win a championship, no wonder dudes like Nakamura roll out like they, they do because they're like, man, fuck this. I busted my ass for 20 years in this company. I'm going to go across the pond and I'm going to win a title in seven months and be the top guy. And that's what Nakamura did. Nakamura debuted in Dallas and within six months he was NXT world champion. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of bring it all back. It's, you know, it, we're going to see, we're going to see how this kind of shakes up the whole, whole, uh, atmosphere yeah. i guess in, in, and, and it's in, funny though too because tama came tamatanga came out and said like you know fuck aw wwe our phone lines are open if you want to do a partnership let's get this done and it's funny like because obviously we know wwe's not going to do that wwe doesn't believe they need to work with anybody they could just buy them essentially because look at what happened with progress evolve um is it is it ICW, ICW and uh, the German company they just purchased. 
right? They purchased their libraries, they purchased their companies, whatever, right? They were working with these companies for years, right? Isn't that what we were, we were led to believe? Because that's where a lot of this this independent talent that's now their super their their main stars, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, these guys that came from Evolve. You know, we were we were led to believe that they were working with Evolve. They were just waiting for these companies to get into a financial strait and then buy them out. So WWE isn't interested in working with anybody. They want you to work for them. They want you to better their brand. They don't care if your brand gets better as a result. Because if they did, then Evolve would have probably been their NXT. They would have needed to have an NXT. But they chose their, they chose their path. And, I, and I, I, I like to think that none of the companies that we named that are working with AEW are minor leaguers in their own rights. But at some point, we do know AEW is going to need a second show. Because they have so much talent that's just not being seen right now. If that second show could be like a showcase show, they sh- that's what they should name it, AEW Showcase. And they should allow that show to be their crossover show. Have a, you know, they put their young talent against some of the top tier talent in New Japan or NWA or Ring of Honor or Impact. That would go a long way to putting over young stars in their company, but also help put over young stars in other companies that you're not necessarily getting to see. But we do know in the fall, we're getting another hour of AEW television. We don't know which night, we don't know what it's going to be, but we do know that Tony Khan, TNT and AEW have all come to an agreement for a second show. So we'll see if that, see if that plays into it at all. If this new partnership does, because I can guarantee you this new Japan impact and um, NWA would be stupid to, to forego an out an opportunity to have a part of an hour show on a major broadcasting network like TNT because none of them have even come close to that type of deal in their company's histories. I mean, I guess NWA technically was on CBS, but that was what fucking <laughs> fucking sixty years ago at this point. Um, but yeah, so I think it's a good thing. I think it only helps with the competition. I think it puts AEW into a. a a different level of interest for fans now because you don't know who's going to show up every week. Um, and that's cool. It's, it's the first time in a long time that we've had that, right? And NXT kind of ruins any debut by showing them in the crowd. You know, we don't really get any shock factor, you know, debuts on Raw or SmackDown anymore. But it's also going to be interesting in the next year or two, too, when a lot of these top-tier guys in AEW contracts start to expire what happens if in you know adam page decides you know what they want to try to wwe kool-aid for a little bit you know and he makes an appearance you know he's the he's a shocking debut but hopefully that doesn't get ruined by guys like us on the internet who have too much time to look into things um we're 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 definitely getting into that hour and a half so yeah I think uh, I think maybe we we call this one. Yep. Um, we we'll put it down for the one, two, three, and uh, catch back up with everybody for uh, on wrestling next week. Yep. Uh, so this is issue number forty-four. Uh, we will be back for issue number forty-five. Hopefully by Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, we have a pretty big, busy uh, personal schedule coming up in the next couple of days, but we will do our best to get that out to you guys for our hot off the press issue. Um, 
If you are not already doing so, please give us a follow, like, and subscribe for the podcast. Leave us a comment. Um, tell us what you like, dislike, so we can make show better for you guys that are listening and gals. Uh, if you are not already doing so as well, give us a follow on all our social medias at DJI Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever you you know, whatever your cup of tea is, we're usually available. Um, like and um, comment and interact with us because we want to know what you guys want to hear. Um, but uh, we will be back on Wednesday. If Charlie ain't got nothing else, uh, send it back over to him. All right, man. I got nothing. So, uh, as always, everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, Mark, go ahead and hit our music. Yeah.